Welcome back to the Goal Line Stand, where it is all football all the time. This is a Football Friday edition of the program coming September 3rd to Sports Wire Radio. We're looking forward to that. We are a Sports Talk Philly partner, presented as always by Michael's Glass Company, 215-338-3293 in the Philadelphia Tri-State area. And the Paul's Table, a modern Italian steakhouse, 7 East Lancaster Avenue in Ardmore. If you are looking to get paid and you're looking to go to work, the Paul's Table has openings across the board. Check them out on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Paul's Table. Great people there. It's a football Friday. We're closing in on the re- we're closing in on the end of the preseason, Brett. And this is going to be thank God. Thank God we're getting a real football. Yep, getting ready to get my game face on. You know, had the bumps and bruises of training camp, but ready to venture forth into the regular season. So the Eagles are playing the New York Jets tonight up in the beautiful Meadowlands of New Jersey. Well, I say that there's players wearing Eagles uniforms that will be playing, but it probably will not be the starters again. And this is our, our you know big third preseason game. Their Eagles aren't going to play the starters because, again joint practices have been deemed more important i ask you one more time true or false joint practices are more important than a preseason game i'm i'm allowing you to amend your 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 pick well you're asking me how it played out versus what i believe it appears that all the coaches are going against what i would have thought and it appears the joint practices are more important than the preseason games if you follow the Eagles beat writers going again, back to a point uh, we made a few weeks ago in our true fall segment, Jalen hurts is tearing up the New York jets and they see Eagles. The reporters have said, this has been a very physical, physical week for the Eagles and they've looked good. There's been some issues. Andre Dillard reared his ugly head. Uh, I think he is firmly planted as the backup and probably a trade piece at some point for Howie Roseman. Look, there's not much news coming out of Eagles camp because this is all kind of like cloak and dagger type of stuff. We don't really know what's going on. Elliot Shore Parks can tweet that Jalen Hurts went 13 for 15 for 574 yards, five touchdowns and a rushing touchdown. I, I don't know what that means. I'm watching videos of the Eagles practicing in Florham Park, New Jersey, on a field that has a freaking tree in the middle of it. So I, I don't know. Did the tree win? Who threw? Did the tree have the interception? How many deflections did the tree have? Okay, that field didn't. First off, it did not look as if it was uh, regulation standard. It didn't look fifty-five yards wide. I think no. it's. I think it's there because of the joint practices. Yeah, but they're doing this whole panoramic thing of the Eagles walking into this beautiful facility up in in Florham Park, uh, right next to the fucking library, and. Shouldn't we explain that we've now referenced the fucking library many a times? So maybe we should actually reference that because people are like, what are they talking about? Lie are they against reading? So 20 years ago, <laughs> Brett and I go on a recruiting trip to, to Fairleigh Dickinson University in, in beautiful. I guess they're in Ma- are they in Madison or are they in Florham Park too? I thought it's Florham Park. Regardless. So we go yeah. on this recruiting trip to to Fairleigh Dickinson. What was the coach's name? The little guy. I don't. You know what? Let's leave names out of this. Yeah. So there was this coach. I mean, he stalked my phone. Yeah. 
And so we go on this recruiting trip. You got you actually got me in on the recruiting trip. And then and then well, I, fig- I figured it'd be a cool time for us to get, you know, I mean, Great mom bagels. and dad drove us up and yeah, fantastic bagels. We get there, we get the spread, you know, bagels, cream cheese, whole nine yards, orange juice. I don't think there was coffee. And they split us off. They're like, parents are gonna go to the right, players are gonna go to the left, players are gonna go toward the campus with the existing players yes and this is right as fdu florin park was getting they're going in through a, a boom period they're building some new dorms apartment building kind of stuff really it's a beautiful new. campus that was actually designed by the guy who designed central park yes i aren't the vander aren't the vanderbilts have something to do with it too like they're yeah, that is well it is it is a picturesque it, campus. it is really really nice so anyway we go uh on this tour, I will, I will, I will let you take it over because uh, I just was looking around. I'm like, hey. so we're as Mike said, we were being led around by uh, existing players on the team. There was uh, one guy in particular who I remember when I had looked up how the team was doing. He appeared to be sort of like one of the defensive stars, and Mike and I are sitting there, are standing there, walking along, and we just noticed. He kept cursing all the time. This dude like, was straight out of the Sopranos, by the way. Well, he no, got- th- there was the second guy who there was an offensive lineman who was legit five five by five five. Yeah, yeah. Remember yes. who showed up wearing a black shirt, black leather jacket, and a black uh, cap. Oh, that's right. Okay, I got my guy. And so, and we asked him, "Oh, what do you like doing on the weekends?" And he said, "We like going to the strip club to bust shit up." Yes, exactly. Quote: That is what he said. And the other guy is referencing every building by using the word fucking in front of it. So there was the fucking science building, the fucking library, the fucking student center. And it's just uh, like it free, it creeped us out. Now, we're not goody two shoes. We've used bad, we've used curse language on this program. There was something about this that was awry. And I remember we because my parents are the ones who drove us up, so they must have been going on a lovely tour. Because at one point they waved at us and we gave them a look. Because when we got back up, my father knows us both very well, and he said, Okay, what's wrong? And by the when we got in the car, we're like, You're not gonna believe this. And he even went so far as to call the coach to tell him. Oh, me. really? Yeah. So I'm surprised they were still calling then after the fact to try and get us there. I mean, they literally that co- the assistant coach, the little guy, stalked the answering machine at 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 my house. Him and Coach Fleetwood from Salisbury, uh, Coach Fleetwood, nice man. I forget this dude's name, but literally, like, to the point where I would get in, <laughs> I would get home. Yeah. And the phone was ringing, and my sister's it was when you had a house phone back in yeah. the day. My sister's like, oh, it's Coach So-and-so from Fairly Dickinson. I'm not here. He can hear you. I'm not here. Tell him to leave me alone. To use another Jersey term, he stalked your life on the boardwalk. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, but, yeah, so that when we say the fucking library, we are actually paying homage and reference to our joint recruiting visit to Fairly Dickinson, which just so happens to be a stone's throw away from – the New York Jets practice facility. Literally, I just wanted to provide like that, some yeah. context to our listeners who've heard that term now a bunch. So the Eagles are up there in Fairly at not Fairly Dickinson at Florham Park. 
they're, they're at the fucking practice facility. Yes, exactly. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get a note here from Frank Close. What the hell happened on this show with all the language? Sorry, Frank. We'll, we'll put a we'll put a notice on beforehand. Maybe it'll bring more people. I don't know. Eagles apparently look good. We're never really going. We're not going to know because it's behind closed doors. I, look. I, I don't I know think, what I mean, to make no of preseason. I just, I, it's so hard to, there are so many intangibles that go into someone's performance, particularly in a training camp, even in a joint practice. How much are, is one team, you know, so the Eagles are going up against the Jets defense. Has the Jets defense scouted the Eagles? Are they calling plays based upon what the Eagles' tendencies are? That's a huge component to how the Eagles would perform. Are, and we are, don't are they, know. Are, are the linemen told, hey, look, everyone else is going to go live. You guys are going to go thud it, it kind of thing. It, there, there's just so much to it. And I, I haven't heard anything from – so the beat writers are the beat writers. And some of these guys really, 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 really know the game because they've been around it long enough. I still go back to – I want to know from a guy who's played the game what he's seeing. You know, uh, where's Ross Tucker in this equation? Is he telling me I'm up there? I'm watching the practice to get ready for the for the broadcast. This is what I see. He's but just no. going to be riding Alex Singleton's nuts. Me and Alex Singleton's having a great camp. Wait till Alex Singleton has an interception against the Giants that seals the game. It's going to be great. Is that really going to take much effort? Everybody else does. Apparently not. Speaking of the Giants, uh, Giants are are locked into a joint practice situation too with the Patriots, and apparently not going very well. No, there were two Jones quarterbacks starting, uh, one being Daniel Jones, one being rookie Mac Jones, and apparently Mac Jones just had his way to the point where I was getting texted by Patriot fan friends who were like, Mac Jones is killing the Giants. So which I said, does that take much effort? Again, i I just don't know, and I'm not I'm not even trying to defend the Giants. This is just in general, going even back to what we just said with the Eagles. How much is it geared towards stopping that offense, or are you just trying to play your defensive calls right now? I, I don't know. But look, it, it's it, it obviously is not a good sign if you're getting completely manhandled by another team, which all reports are the Giants were. Uh, on Wednesday, and then at the end of this, the session, Dory Jackson, our free agent quarterback acquisition, hurt his ankle, had to be carted off. Apparently, it's not serious, but you don't like hearing so and so gets carted off. That's never good. You know, you never want to go via cart. On the good news, on cart the flip bad. side, cart is bad. Kyle Rudolph has returned at least to individual drills. So there's that. All right. Yeehaw. So sad news coming from Giants camp. Tom Coughlin's wife, uh, Judy Coughlin. What what happened here? I, I don't. So, so I guess the family had kept it under wraps uh, for a little while. But Tom Coughlin's wife, Judy Coughlin, basically all Giant fans sort of knew she was the team mom. Uh, apparently, she's been suffering from progressive supranuclear uh, palsy since 2020 and it has left her unable to speak or move and tom coughlin has now become essentially uh her full-time caretaker it's really she was a wonderful lady um 
class personified, just an absolute class act. There's it really is actually very heartwarming on Twitter to read all of the Coughlin era giants come out and tell stories about their interactions with Judy. She apparently would remember everyone's name, every spouse, every kid, every parent of the players. She was the team mom. And I also would encourage everyone to watch the Tom Coughlin football life show from the NFL network. There's a lot of it. He is not who he is without his wife. And this it's, it's just tragic. And I feel so terrible for the family. Um, I don't know in terms of recovery. I don't know what the what's next. It doesn't sound good. But and, and in typical Tom Coughlin fashion, in his statement, he's like, "This is the things I preached about to our players regarding commitment." And you know, it's funny. We there's you know that this last chapter of Tom Coughlin's football life was his time in Jacksonville as a general manager, and so many players who complained about him. And I think about, you know, these are the th- reasons you want to coach like a Tom Coughlin who's teaching you about life. And I know I think it took him a few years to figure out, look, I got to I need to throw in some of the care and love with the sternness. But, you know, I kind of viewed him as my own little like towards the end it, when, when he was fired. It was like I felt like I lost a grandfather that that's how he was. He was like Grandpa Coughlin. Um so I, you know, my heart's out to the family. I, I'm just so sorry that this is going on. I, I, there's nothing you could do. Um, I just, I wish them. I don't even know what to say. It just sucks. It, there's nothing good about it. It just sucks, and it's happening to a wonderful lady. Yeah, it is a shame. We wish them all of the best. Uh, let's go back real quick. Let's take a step back. You mentioned yeah. Mac Jones was allegedly shredding up the Giants' defense in joint practices. That's because Cam Newton and Bill Belichick and the Patriots have had a little bit of a misunderstanding as it relates to the COVID-19 protocols. Yes. So So, what do we know here? So we discussed this in our last uh, episode. We didn't have the full story. Now that we do, I just wanted to issue some clarification. So the way it works is because Cam Newton – Though he um, had contracted COVID-19, he never got vaccinated. He then went on a team-approved visit to a different state to see a doctor. And he got tested while at the doctor's facility and everything else. But because he sort of left the quote-unquote bubble, as an unvaccinated player, you can't travel out of state. So because of that reason... He then had to basically do the onboarding process, which is why he returned to practice on Thursday and was no, he was not with the team for five days. So I just wanted to clarify that. And, you know, look, it, it gets to the, all the vaccination issues, but last week we didn't have all of the information. So I thought that it would, you know, just be appropriate for us to fully explain what went down. That's what went down, but that doesn't mean that it's okay. So you you go on Pro Football Talk, you listen to the guys from the Boston Globe, Dan Shaughnessy. Bill Belichick is not happy with the situation. It sounds like there is a little bit of a divide here between Bill Belichick and 
Cam Newton over whatever it may be. Now, that's to me, forget what it is, what it's about. I'm sure I, we can, we all know what it's about. It's probably about the vaccination and his ability to buy in, to be all in. I'm shocked it took this long for there to be some type of fallout between Bill Belichick and Cam Newton. Now it's quiet, but when you look at the Bill Belichick statements and watch the press conference, yeah, he's a guy that doesn't give away much anyway, but you can tell when he's not happy, he's not happy. No, he's definitely not happy. And it could very well be that Cam felt it was necessary to go see this other doctor out of state. So we don't entirely know. Either way, maybe Mac Jones is not want a starting spot because Belichick has been said that you know he's not he's being non-committal regarding starting quarterbacks. We're going to talk about some other starting quarterback designations in a little bit, but at least as respect to the Patriots, it's still an open competition. Sticking with the Patriots, with Sony Michelle, he gone. He gone. He first former first round pick Sony Michelle. He has been traded from New England to the very, 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 we'll get to this in a little bit, needy, running back needy Los Angeles Rams for conditional fifth and sixth round picks. You know, it's interesting. He was the only person to score a touchdown in the Super Bowl between the Patriots and Rams. And now he's a Ram. I thought it was interesting, at least. The, the Rams desperately needed someone in that running back room. It'll be interesting to see how that works out for them. I, I mean, he's he's a different type of player, right? He's not the biggest, but he he's a good. solid player. Yeah. And, you know, they lost Cam Akers. Daryl Henderson's banged up. They lost another running back. I mean, they literally just don't have enough body. And New England has a plethora of running backs including their rookie, Ramondre Stevenson from Oklahoma, who is just tearing. I mean, this guy's going to gain a 1,000 yards in three preseason games. He's – Because he actually plays. Yeah, that too. Let's go here around the league. Linebacker Denzel Perryman traded from Carolina to Vegas. Well, what does Carolina get and what what does Vegas get out of this? The terms of the trade are that Carolina gets Las Vegas' six-round pick this year, this upcoming draft. Las Vegas gets Carolina's seventh-round pick and Denzel Perriman. Uh, I think this sort of shows Vegas is still trying to find pieces for that defense, which has been porous at best over the last few years. Denzel Perriman, solid linebacker, formerly of the um, Los Angeles Chargers. I was trying hard not to say San Diego. Now I said San Diego, but oh well. At least I didn't say it initially. Uh, But then went to Carolina, now is in Las Vegas. So, decent acquisition. You mentioned it previously here when we were talking about Cam Newton. Starting quarterbacks are starting to be named. Uh, this one is interesting. I mean, it's not a complete and total shock, but I think there's an asterisk to it now. Trevor Lawrence is going to be – was named the starter in Jacksonville. This after he beat out Gardner Minshew, kind of not a surprise, but Travis Etienne – goes out with a Lisk Frank injury and that's a that's a huge deal. Yeah, so they lost Tra- they lost Travis Etienne their other first round pick and Trevor Lawrence is running back also in college after just three plays and Monday night's game he has a Lisk Frank injury done for firing surgery done for the year which if you definitely were sucks. Urban Meyer. Yes. Would you 
I'm not bringing back Tim Tebow, no. No. Uh, <laughs> would you consider Gardner Minshew as you're maybe put, starting him and seeing how things kind of progress here and uh, not throwing Trevor Lawrence right to the wolves? From, from an aspect of, all right, he's lost a weapon, a guy that he was going to lean on, that he had obviously a rapport with going back to college. I don't want to get the kid hurt. What do you no, I, I, I completely understand where you're coming from because there's there's precedent for guys coming out, guys starting too early and then they're ruining their career. Think of uh, David Carr with the Houston Texans who never – he was surrounded by nothing when the Texans were first formed and got destroyed. I just – I don't think you could sell that Sometimes it's about the image and you know the the PR. I don't see how you could spin Gardner Minshew as your starting quarterback. Trevor Lawrence has been the number one guy for literally since like a freshman in high school. This is what he was supposed to do. I think he's got to just learn on the job. There are reports coming out of Jacksonville that many of the older elder statesmen are not happy with Urban Meyer. What a shock. Yeah, I feel badly for the defensive backs, too. Yeah, I Cap- feel badly for the defensive backs. Captain well. Cargo Pants. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater beats out Drew Locke in Denver. I always look, I am on the record of saying I have been a Teddy Bridgewater fan since Teddy Bridgewater broke my heart in Piscataway on a broken leg. Our heart. Yeah, our heart. You, Our heart. You were there as well. Yes. Uh, on a broken leg. Against Louisville, against Rutgers, uh, 2012. And so he's gutsy, 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 gutsy kid. And he used to be a part of the NCAA 14 Facebook group, the actual dude. Yeah. So that was always fun, too. Yeah. So going back to that performance, he did it on one leg. And if you think about that Rutgers defensive backfield at the time, so that was a defensive backfield that had Logan Ryan. It had, all, the Hart, it had a lot. No, but it had a lot of NFL talent. Yep. That's what I'm getting. So it wasn't just, you know, um, just some well, really crap. That would have been Logan Ryan. Uh, Har- Deron Harmon, Harmon, Marcus Cooper, who had a nice pro career. So, you know, and Kasim Green, the linebacker. There was pro talent on that defense, and he, on one leg, he defeated us. Plus, there was the offensive lineman down the field on the fake field goal. Yeah, that's true. Where he really was. De- Devin Wackus. Uh, yeah. So, but if yes, you're, if you're a Broncos fan, how, how should you be feeling right now? I the way I interpret this, Vic Fangio wants steady Eddie versus the roller coaster. I think Drew Locke will give you the highest of highs and the lowest of lows, and Teddy Bridgewater is not going to be able to make the wow throws, but he's not going to turn it over. And Vic Fangio is a defensive guy who believes in obviously believes in that very talented defense. So he's going to play ball control. He's got Javante Walker, the rookie running back. He has Melvin Gordon. I think the only thing is to me, you built that offense around these uber talented young wide receivers. And now you have a quarterback who can't really sling it. So that's the one disconnect. Plus they have a complete putz for an offensive coordinator. So there's that. Fair enough. Yes. Fair enough. Uh, Jameis Winston, it looks like he has earned the starting job in New Orleans. I don't think this is really that much of a surprise, but it's a little bit, maybe. 
No, I look, I think he looked fantastic Monday night. And as we talked about on the last episode, to me, not only does Jameis Winston being the starting quarterback allow you to stretch the field vertically, it allows you to employ Taysom Hill the way he is best suited for an offense as a gadget guy, as the Wildcat quarterback, as a tight end, an H-back, a do-it-all guy. Let him be that guy. No, I agree with you. It makes all the sense in the world. But you got to remember, for everything that that has gone wrong for Jameis Winston over the past couple years, he was around a lot of really, really good coaching, right? Yeah. So he had Bruce Arians in his ear. That didn't work out, but you have to have, he had to have learned something. He spends a year with Pate, with Sean Payton and Drew Brees in that quarterback group. That has to change a guy. And I'm, I'm kind of rooting for him. I, I want to see what happens here. As long as he doesn't steal the crab legs. anymore. Yeah, absolutely. I, Exactly. I, you know, the things he did were childish things back in the day at Florida State. Nevertheless, um, I'm all for career reformations, uh, revitalizations, whatever other big word you can use with R. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to see it. It should be really interesting. And we're going to talk about it a little bit more later this episode with our NFC South preview. Let's talk hard knocks if we must. I still have yet to watch one episode this season. Look, I, I still love Hard Knocks. I, again, wish that they would no longer do the Dallas Cowboys. There are some components to this season where they are focusing on other things, which I really liked. In this episode, namely, they did a spotlight on the international player for the Dallas Cowboys, an offensive guard, Isaac Alarcon, uh, who is a gigantic human being. He's from, uh, I believe, Monterey, Mexico. It's really cool. He was interviewed with his family later on when they played. Who did they play in that game? Why am I? Whoever they played in the preseason game, it's escaping me right now. It was very cool to see his family cheering and yelling in Spanish. Um, you know, the mother was super into it, and, and it, they were, you know, you sort of using what you know, uh, cheers that to me I associate with soccer games. So it was kind of, you know, it was nice to see. Uh, and he was talking about the pride that he had that during the preseason, the international players are they're putting the de the flag decals of their native countries on their helmet. So, you know, he gets to wear the Mexican flag on his helmet, which is really cool. And he also grew up a Cowboys fan because obviously the Cowboys have a huge following in Mexico. It's just a very cool story. And then they also did a nice little vignette on the supervisor of the mailroom, who's this younger guy. And it just so happens he is the fourth generation Male, so he is the supervisor of the mailroom. The one, the male supervisor prior to him was his father. Prior to him, it was his the guy's grandfather. Prior to him, it was his great grandfather. So even the Cowboys, who've only been in existence since 1960, four generations in the male. So at one point, Dak Prescott was saying hello to him as he was walking by. He's like, you know, he's royalty, and he the guy plays spades with Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott. He's just this nice guy. And it's, it's just cool to see other faces. And, and you know, then they did like a little thing with Trevon Diggs. Like, look, you and I, we can't stand the Cowboys, right? But it puts a, a face behind 
you see the face behind the helmet, behind the face mask. You know, this is a guy who, you know, is Stefan Diggs's brother. He is a, he is his adorable young son who's just cheering for his dad. Kind of makes you remember that this is just a game. We love it. I love talking about it with you. I love that we have people listening to it, and thank you for our listeners. It's just it's a healthy reminder of that, which is really cool. Then you have good old Jerry Jones, and they they did this very cool drone footage of the entire whatever i don't know the name of the facility but it's in frisco the star in frisco the whole twelve thousand seat practice arena and it's where they have high schools that are played it was very cool but it, you could tell it's all about you know they showed jerry jones when he was younger there was a lot of jerry jones in the helicopter jerry jones admiring at&t stadium so that was that part I, I could do without. We don't need to pay homage to Jerry Jones. Well, I credit him drone for... Drone footage is cool, though. The drone footage is very cool. And look, I will credit Jerry Jones. He puts his money where his mouth is. He spends so much money on that team. I can't fault him for that, right? Jer- on that note, Jerry Jones is actually coming out as a interesting voice... Because we have to talk about this every week every until week. this is done. Jerry Jones is coming out of as a voice for, I don't want to say he's pro-vaccination. He's pro-being smart. I is think he's the, pro, well, okay, let, let's see he, what, let, he, let's go over what he said, and then we'll analyze it from his perspective right. and ours. Let, let's start it here, because Jerry Jones, he is a very good I, I, donor, I believe, and friend of the former guy that was in charge of the country so get that out of the way what did he say he said i believe that people have the right to choose with respect to medicine and their own bodies but when their choice begins affecting numerous other people or many other people then that it no longer becomes a choice that is what he said and and logically that has essentially been our argument and the argument of so many others that, that yes, I understand the concept of freedom of choice, freedom of your body, but there's also the the greater good and public health concerns. Now with Jerry jo- with Jerry Jones, they even talked about this on uh, NFL Radio. You know, it could very well be, yes, you have your personal choice, but then when it starts affecting my wallet, it's a problem. But yes, absolutely. But he's an owner, and he has that right. He's a business. He's owner. signing their checks. Absolutely, and and when it affects everybody's wallet, you think about it. Yeah, it's just Jerry Jones's wallet, but you expand this out to look at the whole country when it affects everybody's wallet, because that's what's going to happen here. Workforces are going to change. You're not going to be able to have people going back to work. People are going to get sick. People don't want to go back to work for whatever reason. It, it, yeah, I mean, he was he, he's right. Yeah, it's no. not it's not a he said, she said a red or a blue or whatever thing. This is common sense. Yeah, a- absolutely. It's, you know, it's just frustrating that that uh, what we what we view as common sense apparently eludes other people. Sean McDermott in Buffalo, not very happy with the Buffalo Bills and their lack of vaccination rate. Uh, he has idiot Cole Beasley, who was sent home along with a couple other bills because, hey, we just don't want to wear a mask. Yeah, he and Isaiah McKenzie, both receivers, 
Look, uh, you don't want to be vaccinated. At, at least wear the mask. Or and, and don't lie about being vaccinated too. You know, that could be the other thing. Maybe you, you, you should be honest with yourself. You don't want to get vaccinated? Fine. Don't lie about it. Let everybody know. No, well, I, I would I would say that people they didn't lie about it. I'm just saying I'm just venting. No, I'm just saying if I heard that someone had lied about uh, being vaccinated, that that's a really disgusting, immature, and dangerous thing to do. The Simple Colts, as that. Excuse me. The Bills sending people home left and right. Sean McDermott not happy. This is a team we discussed it on the AFC East preview. They're right there. Yeah. This is not good. No, this is this is not good. Um, you know, and I think this sort of leads to, you know, one of the things we're, we're going to talk about. Mike Florio raised a really interesting issue that I had sort of not thought about as it relates to unvaccinated players. So unvaccinated players now with remember back last year, they were sending out tests to the labs now because of the advance of the on the spot. PCR test, I believe that's the the appropriate term for it. You know, that unvaccinated players are going to be tested the morning of a game. So there's a very high likelihood that people are going to get, get knocked out the morning of a game. And you're going to see more and more scratches. But then on top of it, you know, for an away team, where an away team, when you're traveling, you're all going to be on the same plane. So remember, as soon as one guy is deemed to pop for the test, they immediately conduct the contact tracing. So that can immediately knock out five guys for that one game because you have one unvaccinated player. And that's what's getting tested that morning. And that's what's going on in Tennessee. Tennessee has now had more players, uh, Ryan Tannehill, uh, one of them. And he's vaccinated, though. He is vaccinated. But because he is a vaccinated player, but he has to test negative twice in a 24-hour period. Yeah. So you take this back to what Florio is saying. It happened Sunday morning of a big divisional game. You're you're screwed. Yeah. You're screwed. Yep. Not only are fantasy guys screwed, but the the team is actually screwed. It's it's not good. It it is a serious issue. The Vikings had their epidemiologists come in. Uh, How did that idiot Kirk Cousins take to this conversation? Well, I don't know how schmuckface Kirk Cousins took to it. We did mention this in the other uh, last episode, but I thought this was very interesting to follow up because I read this article about it. The epidemiologist said that the vaccine is literally safer than Advil, which kind of freaked me out. I'm like, oh, shit, what the hell's wrong with that guy? I take Advil. I, I know it's got some issues with the stomach and everything else. But <laughs> I so, yeah, we're taking something safer than Advil. This well, is I what we're talking about. When you when you come to a, an athlete or anybody playing a sport or doing something physical and you're in pain, look, you 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 and I we played football, obviously at not at that level. The 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 Saturdays after playing was a different it was a different kind of pain. Yes. There's nothing better than laying down there watching college football after playing a game in the morning because you were just beat up and tired. Yeah. You pop a couple Advil. Now, for a normal person who has a, a pain in the foot, Two Advil here and there. Those of us who have been through certain things like football, bad shoulders, bad knees, bad hips, yeah, 10 Advil, not good. No, so yes, but I, I just found it, I thought it was very insightful that the epidemiologist would phrase it that way, that this is literally safer than Advil. 
before we get to previewing the NFC South and the NFC West, the NFL Top 100 was revealed. And here we go. We'll do this in alphabetical order. Devontae Adams, Josh Allen, Tom Brady, Aaron Donald, Derrick Henry, DeAndre Hopkins, Travis Keltry, Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, TJ Watt. That's alphabetical. Let's talk how they actually ranked out. Number 10, Travis Kelsey. Number nine, Derrick Henry. Number eight, Tom Brady. Well, no, no, this isn't how they ranked out. This is this was my order. Oh, this is your order. So oh this, go, I'm sorry. I yeah. Go ahead. I didn't, I didn't know if you did yours. I didn't know if you did this as well. No, I, I did, but I'm interested in hearing yours. Yeah. So my so I have I in descending order from 10 to 1, I have Travis Kelsey, number nine, Derrick Henry, number eight, Tom Brady. Number seven, DeAndre Hopkins. Number six, Devontae Adams. Number five, Josh Allen. Number four, TJ Watt. Number three, Aaron Rodgers. Number two, Patrick Mahomes. Number one, Aaron Donald. All right, uh, let me hear it. I, no, I, 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 no, I see I think, it on your face. No, I think that's fair. Uh, I feel like maybe Derrick Henry. See, it's weird because, right, like we always talk about running backs being a dime a dozen. Derrick Henry is a different beast Yeah, when it comes to that. So I want to say maybe he should be a little bit higher. Okay. But looking at the list, no, not really. I mean, uh, he's not jumping Brady, and he's really not jumping any of the receivers. T.J. Watt's interesting at four. Interesting and too high or not high enough? Maybe too high. I thought, frankly, he should be the defensive player of the year. I look to me, I get this is the former, I'm a former nose tackle. So I always have a soft spot for defensive linemen. To me, Aaron Donald is a, Aaron Donald is the Reggie White, Lawrence Taylor of this generation. JJ Watt was on his way, but I think injuries derailed it. I would agree. Aaron Donald is a transcendent talent absolutely i think mahomes is on his way uh brady is on the tail end of it aaron Rodgers is on the tail end of it but aaron donald and also i mean is unique in that way because so he plays three technique and he's six feet 280 pounds he's not he's not even that big and you can't teach that and he has short he has short he he doesn't have a reach from a Scouting perspective, just looking at his build, you'd say this is not a guy I would, you know, put as a first round pick, which he was, or that this would be the transcendent player of this generation. And he's turned out to be that. Fair enough. I, I, I don't have it. I don't have an, I mean, the list, I would agree with the majority of the list. Yeah, and it's also tough. Like Josh Allen's a little tough because Allen took this gigantic leap, was fin- you know finished second in the MVP uh, race. Who knows? It's you know it's tough in that regard. I would agree with you. Let's get to our previews. Let's start in the West, the NFC West. Again, six questions here. Let's start with the most important acquisition of the offseason, free agency, or the draft in the NFC West. So for me, I went with Gabe Jackson, the guard who now is in Seattle. Seattle traded for him from Las Vegas. I think this helps shore up that offensive line. And, you know, I think we saw at certain times, you know, the whole let Russ eat or let Russ cook, whatever that was, 
when, you know, I think if, if Russell Wilson needs to throw the ball 40 times a game, he can do that and they can win. I don't think that should be their main strategy. Their main strategy should be pound the ball, work the play action game with that beast DK Metcalf down the field. And with Gabe Jackson there, I think that will enable them to do that. And the running game will get back on track. The most impactful departure in the division. Again, going to Seattle, Shaq Griffin, the cornerback. Look, Seattle's defense is shaky to begin with, and they lost their best cornerback uh, to free agency. He's in Jacksonville. He's If you looked at him Monday night, he, he's starting to play like a true Jaguar, but it also could be his coaching uh, as he now <laughs> is being coached by one Chris Ash. God help him. But I, I think that that was a key piece of the Seattle backfield, and they definitely are going to miss it. Good old Chris Ash. Yeah. The most talented positional group in the division. I went with the Arizona linebackers. So for me, what this might be more based upon potential. So again, you have to keep in mind this is a team that runs a 3-4. So your two outside linebackers are basically glorified edge rushers. They have Chandler Jones, the younger brother of UFC future Hall of Famer John Jones and Marcus Golden guy who can, you know, who has in the past produced 10 sacks in a season. And then inside they have two first round picks from last year and this year, Isaiah Simmons and Zavin Collins, both super large guys who are unbelievably athletic. There's just really unique talents at that linebacker position for Arizona. So that's my, that is my pick. What so that's the best? What's the most worrisome group in the conference in the division? So I had alluded to this earlier in the program. To me, even with the addition of Sony Michelle, it's got to be the Los Angeles Rams running back room. So right now you have Sony Michelle and a banged up Daryl Henderson, Xavier Jones, Jake Funk, who I actually go back prior to uh, the draft I had as one of my sleepers the running back from Maryland, and Otis Anderson, no relation to O.J. Anderson of Giant fame. That's a very weak group. And amazing that not too long ago for the Rams, they had – the running backs were just dangerous. Yeah, and you had, you had a healthy Todd Gurley who was just – when he was healthy, was one of the most talented running backs in the league. And it's he, a shame what happened to him. He was an X factor for them. So speaking of X factors – Who's the ultimate X factor in the division? To me, it is the health of Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa is coming back from a torn ACL that he suffered week two, I believe, week two or three of the 2020 season. This is a guy who went healthy. I actually believe Nick is better than Joey. What, what, What do you think on that, Mike? I'd have to really look at it. Um, initial thought is, yeah. I mean, they're both. I, I wish yeah. either were well, on my, my team. They're they're both top six edge rushers. Right. So my initial thought was probably, yeah, I, I would think that'd be right. Yeah. So uh, to me, though, obviously he's coming back. And the thing is, both Bosa brothers have a history of injuries, whether serious or lingering. If he can stay healthy, stay on the field, he is just a game changer 
and changes that defense to a very dangerous unit. So to me, health of Nick Bosa. So interestingly enough, I to me, I was thinking, because there's a lot going on with Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo. To me, Jimmy Garoppolo would be an X factor for the Niners because you don't know what you're going to get. Yeah. Right? It's really going to go the way they were so banged up, the 49ers with injuries, Bosa and, and so on. They were a Super Bowl team. So what happens? What happens? It's going to be interesting to watch. X factors are one thing. How about a lesser known player that can make an impact? So a lesser known player to the public, though someone we know very well that I think can make an impact and, and I believe has been making an impact for Los Angeles Rams is Sebastian Joseph Day, their nose tackle. Undrafted several years ago from Rutgers, was an under-recruited player. Uh, he was only a two-star recruit from the East Stroudsburg area, I believe. Great kid, great player. And, uh, you know, as a guy who next year when his contract is up is going to get paid handsomely, and I'm very excited and happy for him. Obviously, Mike and I are big Rutgers fans, Rutgers alums, uh, but the general public doesn't really know it. You know, this, you know, they traded away Michael Brockers. They've kept Sebastian Joseph Day. He is, they've brought in other guys to replace him and he always fights them off. They've drafted other guys and he has maintained his spot. And Aaron Donald really likes him and believes in him. So to me, lesser known guy, Sebastian Joseph Day. That is a, a great pick. And you are right. Aaron Donald is, is high on him. So that yeah. tells you something yes. that when, when the goat, one of the goats is high on a guy. All right, we're going to do the same exercise here on the NFC South. People might be saying, why aren't you making picks? Why? Because September 3rd on Sportswire Radio for our big NFL preview show, we will make our picks then. Let's, let's, let's walk it back here a little bit. Let's redo this. The NFC South, most, improve, most important offseason acquisition for the, the NFC South. I'm going with Sam Darnold, quarterback Carolina Panthers. Uh, we don't know what we're going to get. We don't really know. When you think of Sam Darnold in New York, was it wasted talent? Was it a bust? I don't know. He wasn't surrounded by much. His coach looked freaked out from the moment he had his press conference. So we're going to find out sooner, uh, soon enough. And if, in fact, the Panthers – were you know able to refurbish a diamond in the rough, so to speak. The Panthers are a team that plays hard. There's very good coaching with Matt Rule, Joe Brady, young team, aggressive. It should be very interesting, and I'm really excited to see. But either way, I think it's just one of the more definitive acquisitions because it, it, he's now the face of that franchise. That'll tell you a lot about Adam Gase. I mean, more than I, I think you need to know any more. But if if he goes down there and he plays well, yeah, and you can revitalize a career, which happens all the time. Well, if, look at the last guy who was an Adam Gase quarterback who struggled and then left. Ryan Tim Tannehill. Oh. Ryan Tannehill. Who you know, Ryan Tannehill, one of the most underappreciated quarterbacks in the league, and a hundred million dollar man. I, I would I would agree with you. Yeah. Most impactful departure. To me, I think this one's kind of obvious. It's Drew Brees. Uh, you Drew know, Brees he, went somewhere? Well, he retired. Oh. So that's a departure. He Not only did he leave to go to another. Oh, okay. Well, you know, he left the whole game. Um, 
this may be a blessing in disguise. I don't know. I, I definitely think he stayed on for one year too long. The Drew Brees we saw last year, now granted, towards the end, he was so banged up. I was in pain watching him in the playoffs. But even the last two years, he couldn't get the ball deep anymore. It really limited the creativity of Sean Payton. Very interesting. Now, I don't know if Jameis Winston is the answer, but I think it's going to open up the playbook more. It's going to stretch the field more. It'll be really interesting when Michael Thomas comes back from injury, match him up with Marquez Callaway. We shall see. It'll be a very interesting offense to watch. You know, yeah, I agree with you. I thought maybe Julio Jones moving moving out would get a little bit of a nod, but that is a valid point. Most talented. That, that was my number two. Like it was sort of almost like one one A. I, sure. you know, it was close. Most talented positional group in a division. So I, I'm gonna do this sort of. I had two finalists. Uh, my runner up was the New Orleans offensive line, but to me, the most talented positional group is the Tampa Bay linebackers. And if you look at this team, the, you know, again, similar to how I discussed the Arizona Cardinals, this is a team that runs a three, four. So your outside linebackers are essentially edge rushers. Who are they? Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre Paul, who's had a career renaissance in Tampa Bay, as good as it gets. And then speaking of as good as it gets, their two inside linebackers might be the best in the league, Levante David and Devin White. I, I you I think that's the best linebacking core in all of the NFL. I, I challenge someone to come up with a better one. Most worrisome group in the in the division. Well, and this has to do directly with the departure of Julio Jones. To me, it is the wide receiver room in Atlanta. You now it is very devoid or bereft of talent. Aside from Calvin Ridley, I don't know, Mike, if you're going to include Kyle Pitts, the first round pick in the wide receiver room. To me, he's still a tight end, even though he's going to be used primarily as a flex option. But as look, you know, your, your wide receivers are Calvin Ridley, who's a good player. Don't get me wrong. Russell Gage, decent. Christian Blake, uh, Olamide, uh, I think it's Zach, uh, Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus. Chris Rowland, Tajay Sharp. Um, stop me when you find, when I read a name that scares you. I do like Frank Dar- Frank Darby, who was actually one of my sleepers uh, when I we were doing draft covers from Arizona State. But again, now we're relying upon one of Brett's sleepers to replace Julio Jones. That's not really good. No, I would agree with you. And yeah, they're they're Kyle Pitts isn't going to be the normal. <laughs> tight end but you you can't count that uh the ultimate x factor in this division uh who is it who could it be i have a guy (laughs) well uh the ultimate you know what i'm gonna do this a little bit different the ultimate x factor is father time and how long that's very good okay how long can tom brady fight off father time because as we all know from rocky balboa time is undefeated and Tom Brady is now, you know, 175 years old. <laughs> now going, he's what, 45 years old. How much more can he not only be in a, but you know, an effective quarterback, but play at a high level, the level that you know got them on the run that they did when they won the Super Bowl. 
to me, that's that's the X factor. That's what it comes down to. I, I would agree with you. It's hard to bet against Tom Brady. So what happens here? Can he be Tom Brady or hey, Father Time? Uh, a lesser known. Who's a lesser known we should take a look at here in the NFC South? So once again, I'm going to go with the name that you know. And I think, you know, this is sort of something we always do here at the Goal Line Stand. If we see an opportunity to give a shout out to a local kid, we will do so. Uh, Juwan Johnson, uh, who from technically Oregon, previously Penn State, we know him as the younger brother of former Rutgers player George Johnson, both from Glassboro High School. He is a undrafted free agent. He's 6'4", 230 pounds. He's entering, I believe it's his second year, second or third year. But New Orleans is actually going to be trying him out at tight end because he is 6'4", 230. And he actually got reps with the first team Monday night, caught a few balls, looked decent. And Adam Troutman, their starting tight end, went down with a foot injury. Now, it's not believed to be serious, but this is a tight end group, Mike, that includes Adam Troutman, Nick Vanette, uh, Garrett Griffin. I'm, you know, I'm not naming – there's no Travis Kelsey or George Kittle in this group. I think Jawan Johnson – who as a wide receiver might have limited athleticism as a tight end, you know, is a, could be used as a very skilled route runner and another guy who pushes the field vertically from the tight end position. So I, I think he's not only going to make the team, but he might make a little noise as a, as a converted tight end in Sean Payton's offense. We will be back next week. We are going to be talking NFC North. NFC Black and Blue Division. We will have a show on the NFC East, obviously very important to all of us listening. And then on September 3rd, Sports Wire Radio, Sports Talk Philly, our big season preview episode. Follow the show here at GL Stand Show and all social, sportstalkphilly.com, Sports Wire Radio, Michael's Glass Company, 215-338-3293, the Paul's Table, 7 East Lancaster Avenue in the heart of Ardmore. Uh, enjoy the weekend of preseason football next week we get college baby actually oh, college this week college, college this week you yes. know what hold on hold on hold on we have we have a second don't we i'm gonna look up the schedule and tell you a game that we should all check out yeah we got college football this week the countdown on our social we're at what two days three days yeah we're at two days my 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 sincerest apologies we actually have five games on saturday uh 1 p.m on fox nebraska at illinois at 3.30, we have Hawaii against at UCLA. We have, well, UConn's going to Fresno State. Then UTEP at the New Mexico State, the Fighting Pizarchicks. And then uh, at 10, I, I always love these games. 10 p.m. CBS Sports Network, Southern Utah at San Jose State. But Nebraska, Nebraska Illinois, 1 o'clock Fox, I'm oh, a, a Big Ten it, not only just a conference game, but a divisional game. Yeah, that's a, and that's actually a big, big game for yeah. both of those squads. It's going to tell you a lot about the direction they're going. Scott Frost, I, I think his time might be running out a little bit in Nebraska. I think the the allure it is waning thin with the Cornhusker fans. Yep. They're not very happy. Illinois, a lot of people are picking them to, to make some noise. Brett Bielema's uh, debut. Yeah, exactly. You know, the Lovey Smith is no longer there. You have a very, very good coach who did well at Wisconsin. Uh, 
Arizona, Arizona, Arkansas, and not so much, but interesting enough. I didn't realize they were they were they were playing uh, opening yep. weekend. I am I'm psyched for that. Yes. Yes, college football, baby. Uh, on that note, we'll see you later.